Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I went into a business development place, part of the, the local city here, and said what we wanted to do. And they said, so, do you have a business plan? And I looked at the guy and went, what's a business plan? And we, we went, oh, well, we could spend three months trying to figure out how to yeah, write a business plan, or we could actually just spend three months and make the thing, and then we're done. So that's what we did. Traveling New Zealand, featuring and celebrating amazing women in tech all across the North Island and South Island, I came across James with Werewolf, and man, was he helpful in connecting me to the women in tech community in order to enable me to empower these incredible women to move forward. So just passionate about women in tech. My name is James Burns. I'm Chief Marketing Officer at Werewolf, the app for venture tourism operators. I've had the pleasure of working for a lot of really smart women and uh, both in tech and outside of tech. And it's just generally been my experience over the last 20 years that there's not nearly enough women's voices in leadership roles in in tech companies. And so I just think it's important that we have that sort of voice. Uh, Myself, I have two young daughters who are four and six. And I want to make sure that when they get to an age where they're ready to start their first company, that they have all the opportunity and support they need. Werewolf makes it easy for adventure tourism operators, everything from skydiving companies and bungee operators to jet boating and rafting companies to go paperless, to handle the guests from arrival all the way through departure, um, check them in through a really beautiful custom-branded iPad app, ask them a lot of key questions, take that data, build a customer marketing database. Werewolf was recognized by Deloitte in their Fast 50 Awards for this year as the rising star one to watch. And as we move to the United States, it's really important that we continue to capitalize on the kind of growth that we've experienced over the last three years. And we're doubling, tripling size of company annually. Queenstown is the adventure capital of the world. We have 150 plus adventure tourism operators just within a 10 minute drive of where we're sitting right now. Any activity you can think of you'd want to do, you could do it. Bungee jumping was invented here. Jet boating was invented here. I mean, there's so much that happens here. There's so much innovation around the adventure topic that we're really primed well to leverage that. And that's no better place for us to be based. Be sure to explore more about Werewolf at GetWerewolf.com. That's G-E-T-W-H-E-R-E-W-O-L-F.com. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast. We are in Dunedin, New Zealand. So difficult to say that word or city. Uh, Dunedin, New Zealand. Um, and so rad. Kylie is kind enough to meet with me at, I think it's 930 at night after she went on an epic horseback ride today. It's the weekend too, if I'm not mistaken, right? It's Saturday. It is Saturday and it's St. Patrick's Day. So there's people out. Oh, wow. Celebrating. Because, because in, in Los Angeles, it's Friday. Uh (laughs) So I keep having to adjust my mental thinking on what day of the week it is, but I am so excited to celebrate you and your story. So go ahead and kick it off by sharing with us who you are and what you do. Um, my name's Kylie. I have a tech business here in Dunedin. We work mainly in sports technology. So we create GPS and telemetry units to gather 
biometric and positional data for mostly sailing and water sports events. So we work with kayaking and powerboats and sailboats and we live track them and get all that data back to the cloud for people to review. And how did you even become passionate about this in the first place? How did I start? It's been a it's been an interesting road. How long has the company existed? Well, the company's been around for eight years, but I started as an animator in television. So that's a few years back. And to be an animator, when I was an animator, you needed to be a programmer. So I have a computer science degree and got into animation. And it was in that first company I worked at that we started doing the animation for the America's Cup. So that's the, the live graphics you would see um, that was cut between the live TV. And I left there about 10 years ago now, went overseas, did a, a bit of an OE and then came back to Dunedin and started the business. And one of the first jobs we got was to was contracted to make these GPS tracking units that would work to track the America's Cup boats. So that's how we got there. That's crazy. I mean, it's crazy that, I mean, technically a role that's not supposed to really have to do with technology but it does and it and it requires technology and then leads to a true tech company today um when did you first discover the world of tech see it's funny because nowadays it's such a big thing to not have girls or girls are a bit funny with technology but when i grew up it was such a new thing that it wasn't considered to be either a boy or a girl thing it was was just a cool thing to do and at my high school they taught programming and there were 50 girls, 50% girls and 50% guys. Wait, what? Yeah. I think that's rare. Uh, Where was your high school, by the way? The high school was here in Dunedin. Um, it was rare to actually have a programming class at all in high school at that stage because this is back when 386 computers were around. So we're talking, we're talking 25 years Wait, ago, so do you think this is ago. why Dunedin, like when I first got to New Zealand, people shared with me you got to go to Dunedin like that's where the university is that's where tech is do you think that's what contributed to Dunedin being known as the tech hub now because it was so forward thinking back then yeah I it it could be it's also that there's a really high percentage of of actually oddly PhDs in Dunedin because it's a small town and the university is such a high percentage of the town right um that there are just people who who can do interesting interesting things around here so I think that's why it's ended up that way and once people are here they tend to stay for the lifestyle I mean I was literally out riding a horse around the mountains today and tomorrow I'm off doing a duathlon and you're doing a what it's a really little one a so doing a what duathlon so a little run and then a bike and then a run but it's just down on the beach so it's just easy to do these things. And okay. I mean I'm literally I live five minutes from I thought interview. that I was very active being here in New Zealand, that's crazy. Yeah, you just had a one. super active day. <laughs> that's awesome. And okay, so you, it, it was part of your schooling program and that's yeah. how you first discovered it. Yeah. And it's great to hear that it was 50% guy, half and half guys and girls. It wasn't a, a thing. No. Um, and then how did you parlay your education into um, becoming a professional? Did it start with that design position? So I, I, when I went to university, originally I thought I was going to do architecture because when I went through school, the only thing people told you you could do that took both design and maths or science was, was architecture. It was the only thing that had that both sides of the right. the brain and Dunedin's known for architecture isn't it oh yes beautiful architecture around here but when I got to university I did first year computer science as just a fill-in paper 
And it was doing that paper I learnt this new thing, uh, animation was just coming out. Right. This was before Pixar had made Toy Story, so we're talking. It was, wow. And um, joined a company here in, in town, and it was, it, there's a big graphics conference that's on every year called SIGGRAPH. And at the time, Animation Research had things in the, in the big yeah. part of SIGGRAPH. So they were way up there with Pixar and some right. of the other big um, um, big players in the, at the time. Um, and it ended up with a job here. So I just happened to move from uni into um, animation research here and did mostly television graphics for the next 10 years. Um, it's but, so cool. Yeah. But to be fair, though, when I got through to university, by the time I got to fourth year, I was the only female in computer science. It tapered off quite quickly the further up. Why do you think that was? I have I have a lot of theories, and actually, if you want to hear me start raving, I do tend to <laughs> when, I, when I get onto the female and technology um, side of things. I, I think um, in that particular part, it was actually quite sad. But often, they use the third year students to teach the first year students. Right, it's, it's just part of one of those things. Right, and by the time you get to third year computer science guys, they're so excited to be talking to a female in their first year. Yeah, um, that they tend to be rude without oh. actually meaning to be and I think it scared a lot of girls away in that um, but now it's different I, I've I've been trying to teach programming up at my son's primary school and this is those Lego yeah Mindstorm robots yeah and I just it's a co-ed school so I said to the school you know I've got 15 places how many kids can we get to come along and learn coding so right. these kids between the age of 7 and 10 and I've got 15 boys and no girls so by the age of 7 we've already taught our females that technology is not for them. So we're doing something to the really young kids that, and I'm, I'm not entirely sure what it is, but we're turning them off really young. So what, from, from being in technology um, early on yourself, what can we do as a community to expose technology to just everyone, to have everyone um, want to sample the world? Okay, here's a good example, and I hate to say it, but I was at a, a fast, very well-known fast food restaurant because it was my son's eighth birthday two days ago, and they give away toys with the meals that you get. You'll probably figure out right. who I'm talking about. I just won't say. Um, and the girls got a mirror, and the boys got a car. And the one girl that was in the the group just looked at her silly mirror and said, "Well, I can't play with this. You know, the boys yeah. were having fun with their cars. Can I have a car? I'm sure, sure you can, but." To, to end up giving her a mirror and yet the guys will get a mechanical thing that they can play with and interact with and it does things and and she gets a mirror so she can, I don't know, see how pretty she is. That's where I think we're going wrong. That's really interesting. Hmm. It's interesting because it would be great if there are different, um, I was going to say like vendors or food chains or whoever it is who want to make a difference to th hear this conversation and then say, oh, here's something that we could do, how we could contribute toward the positivity of um, of people discovering uh, how to like you said, you could play with a car and you can move it around and you can interact with it and to to understand toys in that way. Yeah. To, to say I mean, it's, it's to be fair, I didn't even ever think of that. Like, I, I mean, not that I'm thinking about cars and mirrors, but I didn't think of it in that way. Yeah, like, you think it's you, a car, boys like cars. No, it's, it's no, I didn't think yeah. you can't interact. I didn't think of a toy as, um, I never thought of a toy as like, oh, I, I'm how I'm interacting with it. I remember when I was a little girl, I would play a lot of video games and my dad would come in and he's like, oh, good, you're learning hand eye coordination. But I never really 
processed it until you said it right now in that way, like mm. that that I could have been doing something else where I wasn't. Yeah. 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 So it's 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 little things like that. And I think um sadly at the moment we're almost pushing apart the the gender differences. And when I grew up in you know the seventies and eighties, I don't feel those those differences were quite as strong as Interesting. they should be now. Interesting. Yeah, so girls jumping around in their little pink tutus we didn't have pink tutus. Yeah. We had jeans and t-shirts. Yeah. So Both of you, uh, you and I are in jeans and t-shirts now. <laughs> okay. So how, how large is your company right now? We're pretty small. So we're, there's three full-time developers, uh, myself, our CTO, who's an electronics engineer, um, and a couple of part-time staff who do um, put the hardware together. So we have hardware we sell. So there's, there's the manufacturing side of things as well as office administration and other bits and pieces. And where would you like to see it go um, a year from now, two years from now, in the future? Like, how can we support you in accelerating your success? Um, oh, I don't... This is, <laughs> this is one thing I should be better at, is actually looking forward <laughs> to the future and go, right, this is the plan. Um, so I would like to either see, see the company grow but not necessarily organically, so I don't want to have to employ a single person after a time. Um, but to find another company who's very much like us but has either a technology hole that that what we do we can bring to it mm-hmm. and do either some kind of merger or something like that. Um, yeah, I think that would probably be the best, the best way to move with the company because although we do a lot of sports technology, what we have in the background is, is in many ways is an Internet of Things platform and so – and we've had that for years. In fact, I went to Silicon Valley a couple of years ago and tried to explain to people, we've got this way of um, getting data from remote objects, and that could be anything, and people didn't know what I was talking about. And now, apparently, it's called the Internet of Things. Can you can you explain to us a little bit more, like, what would be a dream company that could really benefit from using your technology? Um, I think a company that that has probably been... F- Doing a or has been working the way that they have been working for a long time, and has realised that actually now they need to be more connected to the internet or be more cloud based than what they currently are. Um, and, and you do see this now. So there's a lot of hardware companies that are out there. You know, whether it's heat pumps or cars or any of those kind of things, are going right. Well, how do we get the data off this in a secure, fast way right. that is useful for other people? And it's actually that's where we come in. We've been doing that for years. We've been getting data off remote boats. They just happen to be America's Cup boats. Um, back onto the cloud where people can view it and we share that data securely because one team doesn't want to see the data from another right. team um, and and share it fast and so it's been we've been doing it for quite a few years it's now just trying to find another industry or another market that would actually take that same concept and move it into a different different area it's so exciting what's uh I don't think you guys can hear this but just in case you can we're on a street in Dunedin in the car which is one of my favorite places to podcast strangely enough and uh yeah but I don't think you could I could pick it up but now you guys know if if you do hear it um so what's one challenge that you've successfully overcome and what did you learn from it Ah, so when I started the business, I knew nothing about business. I was I was a programmer and I was contracting as an animator and we started a business and we came up with this idea of making this this GPS tracker that we could stick on boats and sell and went into um, a business development place, part of the, the local city here, and said what we wanted to do. And they said, so do you have a business plan? And I looked at the guy and went, what's a business plan? Right. And anybody who knows anything about businesses like that is like the critical thing 
to have to have. And I had no idea what he was talking about. And we we went, oh, well, we could spend three months trying to figure out how to yeah, write a business plan or we could actually just spend three months and make the thing and then we're done. So that's what we did. So the, the biggest hurdle for us is actually has had to, to learn business, to learn the ins and outs and yeah. the highs and the you know value chain and what we should be charging for the products. Yeah. All of that other stuff that um, I suppose as an employee I always took for granted. You know, right. I, I had my skill, I had my my expertise in, in programming and I did it and customer would say, yes, we want this. And I'd say, yeah, there you go. But everything else around that, how you find the customers, all of that stuff, yeah. I think that is business and actually not technology. That's been the biggest hurdle and the biggest challenge over the last eight years. One of my newest mentors is actually my friend's husband is in finance. He does million dollar and billion dollar deals like funding for Uber and all this stuff. Anyway, he really believes in what I'm doing with my Los Angeles company. He's like, like, let me help you out. And I was like, I'm trying to figure out the pricing because how I was doing it last time didn't work. And I, I, I'm rebuilding the product. I, I had a product. I won't get into it. I ran it for two years. Technically, it was successful, but I didn't charge enough. I didn't charge enough. Yeah. yeah. For many reasons, it was successful, but it wasn't sustainable. Right. Yeah. So he's like, I really believe in it. It needs to exist. It totally has the the potential to be profitable. It's like, yeah, but I can't figure out how much to charge. He's like, well, how much do you need to charge? I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, you need to figure out how much it's costing you to run the whole thing. And that's how you figure out how much to charge. I was like, oh. Yeah. And that's how they also say to you, oh, no, you shouldn't charge that. You should charge also what it's worth. So once you figure out how yeah. much it costs you, yeah. you know, well, actually, really, what is it worth to somebody? Because totally. there's still a, a gap between that. Totally. You could be charging a lot more. There's just, there's so much things. And now looking back, I'm like, how, how what an idiot am I? But mm. at the same time, no, it's these things. They just take time to the, figure out. And yeah. And I'm a person that's heart driven. And, you know, depending on where you're coming. So I'm more of an artist than I. Yeah. Time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, these things are hard, but it doesn't mean you can't. And it doesn't mean eventually you come to the solution and, and you, you figure it out. Yeah. So one of the first things I did once we started the business is I went along and I did a paper at the university, being it's it's right here, it's so easy to do. Yeah. And it was a short course, so it was only a two-week long paper. Right. Um, and I said to the guys when I was in there that actually in many ways the reason I started the business was actually to learn how to run a business. And yeah. they looked at me like I was nuts and said, well, there are cheaper ways of learning how to do business and actually running a business. And in yeah. hindsight – they were right, but it's definitely more fun to have a go. Yeah, oh, 100%. I think the one thing that I keep learning over and over again, I have to consistently remind myself, is I can't know the answer. The only thing that's going to tell me answers is experimenting and testing. Yeah. I feel like when I daydream and I take notes, I'm like, eventually I'm going to figure out the right way. No, and then I realize do it. they're yeah. just notes. Yeah. <laughs> they're just little brainstorms <laughs> yeah it's all the things the hidden things when you're developing something that it's until you do them that you actually find them so I think it's fantastic that um, many times in your life you've had to you've either studied computer science or you have jumped into the programming world what advice would you give yourself when you first started out um, now that you're obviously more advanced um, something that would have accelerated you forward I mean, I said, I said to a whole bunch of um, students in programming, actually just two days ago, I went and, and talked to some students, that the one thing I think does scare a lot of people off when they start programming is that, oh my God, it's so hard. It's that un uncomfortable feeling that they don't know what they're doing. And I said to them, you, 
when you're in technology, you've got to learn to embrace that feeling of uncomfort, that feeling of, of you don't know what's going on, because that's the whole point of technology. Everything from this point on, you're either doing something new or you're trying to extend human knowledge or you, you know, you, you're trying to push past everything. And it's it's not a comfortable place to be. So just you know, learn to love that, that feeling. And if you do know what you're doing, then you're not going hard enough. So I said just, yeah. Feel uncomfortable and embrace it. Know it's hard and, and be okay with that. How how can you how can you be okay with it? Is there one more step to the piece of advice, like a way to look at it from a positive, empowering way instead of just like I, I can't let this um, discomfort control me? Yeah, and I think that's I yeah I suppose I'm a bit of a control freak in that sense as well. It's like well, if, I mean it's the same way I I'm not an addictive personality like I. I would never get addicted to smoking or drinking or anything right, right. because I don't like the thought of those things controlling me. So I think, yeah, that's so feeling funny. of, of um, programming. I'm totally and, the same. <laughs> People yeah. go, why don't you want to experiment with this? I'm like, because I want to be in control. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I, I suppose maybe there's an element of that with the, um, with the programming and stuff as well. As I, it's, I, it's just not going to beat me. I'm not going to let it beat me. I'll, you know, if I don't know it now, just to sit there and, It'll take time, yeah, and eventually I'll figure it out. And if I don't figure it out now, I'll have a good sleep and I'll figure it out. In the yeah, that's a big thing in the programming life. Um, there's a bug in the code, and you have to figure out what the bug is. And sometimes it takes forever. But you need to pause, take a walk, clear your mind. Mm. So we yeah. we literally have a <laughs> fluffy duck in our um in our office. So if somebody is really stuck on a bug, yeah, that they have to talk through their code to somebody. So they have to go right. This line of code, and it sounds ridiculous, especially when you're telling people really basic stuff, right. explaining each line of code. But so many times, you'll as you're explaining each line of code, you get halfway through it, and then you have this realization that, oh, oh, that's a problem. But you actually need to say it out loud to somebody else. So yeah, you have to sit with somebody, and then as soon as they find it, they're allowed to squeeze a fluffy duck, which makes ridiculous quacks. <laughs> I love you that. Throughout the office, that's yeah. so cool. Oh my gosh, I've loved having you on the show, and I think you've brought a ton of actionable insights and, and and things that we could work with in order for all of us to move forward from an, an industry level to uh, just different, you know, power players in the world to students, you know, embarking in the world of technology for the first time. Is there anything you, else you'd like to share before we start to wrap up? Can't think of anything other than, yeah, just, just get out, do it. And if somebody makes you feel like you can't do it, then prove them wrong. What's your, fa- what's your favorite tech tool? The first thing that pops into my head is Photoshop. <laughs> That's, that counts. That counts. Photoshop. Your favorite oh, book? Um, Personal kind of, or professional? Yeah, I was going to say, what kind of book? Actually, I quite like the, the Malcolm Gladwell books, the both Blink and Tipping Point. Oh, I was talking Tipping about them the other day. Yeah, just the, the concepts around both of them. And, and even the concepts around Blink with the whole micro-slicing of, of interactions and stuff. I kind of use that often in both personal and professional life so cool last question how can people get in touch with you and find out more about your company uh product is called yachtbot so the best way to get in touch with us would be type in www.yacht-bot.com um it's a a website where people can download gps tracker and go out sailing with your phone um and there's an email address on there that that comes through to me cool perfect you want to say the email too 
um, info at yachtdashbot.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for hanging out Thank with you. the Women in Tech podcast. Guys, remember to say hello at Women in Tech Show on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter. And if you want to collaborate with more extraordinary women in tech around the world, go to the Women in Tech Facebook group. You can get there by going to womenintechvip.com. It forwards straight to the Facebook group, womenintechvip.com. Bye. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. The Women in Tech podcast is an independent production funded by you, the community. To support Women in Tech, if you believe in the vision as much as we do, please consider going to womenintechpodcast.com. That's womenintechpodcast.com and just click on the contribution link to keep this podcast going. Thank you. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.